Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep history alive at the community level. I'm Tara Barrett, ICH researcher with Heritage NL. In this episode, we learn about some of the work that's being undertaken in the Immaculate Conception Cemetery in Cape Royal. We learn some of the stories about local characters who are buried in the cemetery. And we also learned some tips and tricks from Robin Lacey of Black Cat Cemetery Preservation in advance of two upcoming cemetery workshops that we have happening this July and August. On today's show, we have two guests, Andre O'Brien and Robin Lacey. Andre has a BA focusing in folklore history, Newfoundland studies and English, a Bachelor of Education, and an MA in folklore. She serves as our Register of Historic Places, Municipal Outreach Officer, Heritage Places Poster Contest Coordinator, Historic Commemorations Program Coordinator, and Web Manager. She's been involved in the heritage sector throughout the years and is a founding board member of the Mummers Festival. Hi, Andrea, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Uh, so just to start off, can you let us know what's happening in Cape Royal, what's happening with this headstone cleaning? Uh, well, this is the second year of Cape Royal having a green team in the cemetery in cooperation last year with the town of Cape Royal and the cemetery committee. Uh, we had a green team working to do some brush clearing in the cemetery. It had become very overgrown uh, over the past couple of decades. Uh, it's probably the first cemetery that was in the community, so probably dating back to early 1800s, although there's no headstones remaining from that time. But after the brush cleaning, we kind of looked at the state of some of the headstones in there. Uh, some, they're the old white marble type headstone, most of them. Uh, some had uh, kind of tipped over or leaning over, some are broken and some are in need of cleaning. So uh, on, uh, in July 8th, we're going to have a headstone cleaning workshop. So some members of the green team along with members of the public are going to come in and have a look at about 10 or so headstones and use the proper cleaning techniques to. Um, so it, it'll be nice to be nice to see how that goes and then it might be something that owners of other headstones uh, the family members of those people may want to do similar kind of projects with with their headstones what does that consist of is that so green use? green team is uh their teams of uh youth from 16 to 30 who are hired through uh, conservation corps uh, newfoundland labrador and they work on projects that are kind of environmentally based. Um, one thing the green team will be doing this year is they'll be putting in uh, some kind of memory gardens throughout the community, hopefully providing better accessibility throughout the, the cemetery. Um, the cemetery is a very, it's a very old cemetery. It's a couple hundred years old, but there used to be kind of natural paths that people used to follow to get to different places in the in the cemetery uh, because it is an older cemetery there's a lot of family plots there uh, so there's still a lot of fences around all the family plots and this is something that, that the town designated the cemetery uh, back in the early 2000s when one thing was these family plots but there used to be a lot of little kind of pets that meandered in around these family plots and they were um, became grown over and also just with the settling of the soil and the settling of the burial places, now there's some little dips in there that you could easily twist an ankle and stuff. So they're going to fill in some of those areas to hopefully make it a bit more accessible to get throughout the cemetery. And also at the end of uh, their project this year, 
if anyone uh, wants a family plot painted, uh, they can donate paint and brushes and the green team will paint the family plots, which they also did last year and there was a pretty good uptake last year. Uh, there's also a good few family plots that uh, there aren't any relatives left in the community. So hopefully we might be able to get to a few of those plots and spruce them up. Line up the plots or like the fences? The fences, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, there are some family plots that the fences just aren't there anymore. Uh, the community did have a project, um, I'm thinking it might have been like 15 or 20 years ago, that they did go in and put fences around family plots uh, of people who no longer had relatives in the community. Uh, now some of those are in need of a bit of care. Uh, so those ones might be focused on it towards the end of the summer to paint, give them a nice coat of paint, replace any boards that need to be replaced. And there's also some uh, some iron fencing that's in there. They didn't get to any of the iron fencing last year, but a lot of that I think needs a good coat of a rust-proof paint as well. Paint a headstone if you can't. Oh see. no, no! <laughs> Don't paint the headstone. <laughs> so I just want to clarify no. that you specifically meant unless the it's yeah, unless it's like a wooden cross that has lettering painted on it. No, do not paint a marble headstone. <laughs> no, that's one thing that we come across oftentimes in cemeteries yeah. is um, sometimes easier to read, but it. It does um, often deteriorate the headstone. Yeah, it can actually be harmful to a marble headstone to do that kind of painting on it because where you paint in the letters actually will form a kind of barrier or layer that can trap water. And then that water would freeze kind of differently than the rest of the stone freezes and you could actually end up causing pieces to chip off the headstone. So no, that's not a good idea. No, I, 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 I knew that's what you meant, but I wanted to clarify in case anybody wasn't sure. <laughs> um, and so why is this cemetery important to the town of Cape Royal or the people of Cape Royal? Uh, well, it is, uh, as I said, it was most likely the first burial place in the community. Um, Cape Royal was settled a bit later than most communities on the southern shore. Um, a lot of communities on the southern shore were settled in the 1600s by the English. Uh, Cape Royal was used as a migratory fisher fishing station for a, a lot of centuries and decades, I guess, before people actually started settling there in the late 1700s. And prior to that, they had been, a lot of them, seasonal fishermen who were rowed five minutes away. And so this is the first place that actually had residents of Cape Royal buried there. Some may have been buried in Brickus out, I'm thinking, in the early years, because that would have been the only consecrated ground that was around. And it developed into a cemetery for three communities, the communities of Cape Royal, Admiral's Cove, and Brickus South. So it's not only important to the people of Cape Royal, it's important to the people of those three communities. Because at one point that was, um, it was a, that was a parish. Those three communities were their own parish. And also through oral histories, um, it is the site where the very first chapel was built in Cape Royal in the early 1800s. Uh, the current church that they're na that's there now is actually the fourth church that was in the community. Um, but there's a lane leading up called Chapel Hill with no chapel around anywhere. Um, the new church is kind of in that area, but it was Chapel Hill before the new church was ever there. So there's this um, an oral history that was written down um, by Mr. Jim Joe O'Brien, who was a local historian, and he wrote down. Um, the exact location where he figures the chapel was in the early 1800s and how many feet it was from a certain family's plot. So um, 
but thinking it might be interesting to reach out to the archaeology unit and get them up to see if, if they can kind of have a look at the landscape there and see where they might think the chapel might have been but it seems that that this piece of land there was a chapel in the middle of it and then people were buried out around you know the outside of the chapel and in terms of built heritage I mean there's some older buildings in Cape Royal but not a, not a whole lot in and really you know something that is dating back to the founding of the community it's or will we leave that to Robin yeah I think that would be best for Robin yeah Robin is the, the expert on headstone conservation and She's using the proper, she's going to be using the proper materials because that, that's another thing people go in sometimes with very good intentions, but they end up using bleach or they end up using chemicals that aren't appropriate. They end up using, you know, hard bristle brushes. All of those things can do damage to a headstone. So the techniques Robin is going to use are the correct techniques for, for cleaning headstones. They're gentle and they're not going to leave um, you know any kind of materials on the headstones that are not going to do any damage to the headstones So perhaps if anybody's listening and they're has any questions about yeah. that. Yeah, um, and and those materials are I mean there, there are things that they're available for people to purchase It's just knowing how to use them correctly in the in the proper ways that you won't do damage to your to your headstone Later in the year in the in the cemetery. We're also going to have a repair uh, workshop in Cape Royal Cemetery and we're going to be repairing um, at least one of those broken stones that we have referred to because that's another thing again people go in with good intentions and start putting things back together with concrete or start putting things back together with steel frames or start drilling through headstones to keep them up and again people are doing it with good intent but it's probably causing more damage to headstones or will cause more damage to headstones. The more holes you make, that's the more places for fractures to happen. Uh, if you're putting things in uh, in the prop improper concrete or mortar, they're going to freeze and thaw at different rates in the headstone, which also cause cracking. So in August, we're going to have a workshop there to to do at least one, and uh, hopefully to get some. Uh, advice on how to stand up headstones that have nothing wrong with them physically but are tipped over because sometimes they can be easy fixes but jobs as well and there's a proper kind of base to put those things in through cemetery there are lots of especially big ones to leave it as to leave is. them where they are yeah and <clears throat> we, we we talk to communities all the time about that exact same thing and communities that are out there now working on uh clearing out a lot of cemeteries and I guess with with COVID uh, it, there seems to be a lot more interest from communities in doing cemetery cleanups because there's an outdoor activity you don't necessarily have that risk of you know transmission or um, you know being confined in these smaller places with smaller numbers but what we suggest is the first thing people do when they're clearing out if they come across a stone uh, whatever shape that stone is give it a good birth you know, don't go in there around with whippersnippers or any kind of mechanical tools like that. And <clears throat> if something is tipped over, something has fallen over completely, leave it the way it is and get in contact with us and we can help you um, come, you know, use the proper techniques for dealing with that stone. And some stones, I know in my own family's plot, there's a stone that's tipped over. That's never going to be able to be righted because these marble stones sometimes uh, 
they almost get the consistency of sugar in places and they start breaking down. This stone has been on the ground so long that if you attempted to pick it up, it's just going to turn to dust. So best thing to do is document those kind of stones. Um, headstones, you know, however much we want them to last forever, they're not going to last forever. There is a life cycle that headstones go through. And in a hundred years time, the headstones that we're trying to fix now or prolong their life, they're probably at the end of their lifespan then. And that's just a fact of life. You know, the only way you could preserve them is to take them all out of the cemetery and put them in an archive somewhere, which is not practical or not what is meant to happen with headstones. Documentation of what was yeah, there? It was documented back in the 90s by a volunteer. Um, I think her name was Roberta Sullivan. And she actually didn't live in Newfoundland. She came here on summer vacation. She had family roots on Southern Shore and she documented a lot of the ones on Southern Shore. Um, so I think she took some pictures and she did the inscriptions. Um, last year, the green team uh, went and took a picture of every single stone in the cemetery and put it on the Billion Graves app, on the Billion Graves website. And with the Billion Graves app, when they took their pictures, they all then were tagged with uh, GPS coordinates and they loaded them all up, loaded them to the Billing Graves site. They've all been transcribed. Some, the green team did the transcriptions and some volunteers who just are members of the Billing Graves website went in and transcribed these stones. I mean, these could be people anywhere in the world, but they're just interested in headstones. So they did some of the transcriptions. So it's, it had that recording in the nineties and it was recorded last year. And I, we haven't gone back yet, yet and looked, but I would say if you compared pictures from the two, you'd see a lot of difference in some of the stones and the condition of them. I know myself when the town designated it, I actually wrote the statement of significance for it and did the historical research. And some of the pictures I had from, I think that was around 2006, even some of those stones are now not in the shape that they were in. Um, attach a GPS, uh, or I guess location as photos, but again those photos were taken in and um, ha attach a GPS location to each yeah. of the headstones and get that material up there in a different way. And the other thing you can do with Billion Graves apps is you can go in and any user can put in their own links. So if you have your family in there, you could actually go in and put pictures of the person whose headstone it is. You could go in and put in family trees. You could go, if there's any websites that are referencing any people, you could put those, you know, just some of the people who are buried in, in the cemetery in Cape Royal. Like there's one man who was murdered out in the harbor by the captain of a American schooner. So, I mean, any news items that were related to that at the time could be put in there and linked to his headstone. So you can almost build stories around some of the people who were in there in the cemetery. And are there any other good stories about anybody else in the cemetery? Um, well, there's lots of good stories. I don't know how many other, you know, I actually want to tell in public. But <laughs> no, I mean, there's um, there's a, a Irish priest who's buried in there. And one of the stories I had heard when I was young, I you know, it's very much folklore, but that uh, he was from Ireland. And when he was buried there, his family wanted him back. And they came and took him in the middle of the night. I think that's very much legend. I don't think that actually happened. The story <coughs> of um, the Yetman man who was shot in the harbour. And if I, you know, if I went around the cemetery, there's lots of characters in there that there's, 
community stories and, and community legends attached to these people. So next year, one of the projects I suggest to the cemetery committee is telling family stories on all the family plots. So instead of um, just someone's name, the day they were born, the day, the day they died, you could say, well, here is this person, she was a midwife. Uh, you know, this man was one of, uh, was a very successful fisherman. This man was merchant, you know, actually telling the story of the people or, you know, this woman was a great dancer. This man could really play the accordion. So having on, on each family plot, kind of having a little story to tell about the family rather than, you know, than just being dates on a, on a headstone. Like history attached yeah. to it. And, and in the newer cemetery, with all of the kind of modern techniques for making headstones, people are telling those stories on the headstones now. You see a lot of the images in the older cemetery are very religious symbols. The symbols put on headstones in the newer cemetery are like bingo cards and skidoos and ATVs and Montreal Canadian symbol. Like they're putting symbols on to tell something about the person who is buried there. Um, whereas in the older cemetery, it was much more traditional motifs that were used on headstones. Uh, you mentioned the green team kind of uh, like the summer. It's just to be very careful when, I mean, if you're using power tools, uh, that's one thing the green team didn't use power tools, they used all, all hand tools. But if you're using power tools, because sometimes you have to clear, um, you know, it might be bigger trees or bigger brush, just be do a good check around the area first to make sure there's nothing at ground level. Because a lot of times, uh, if headstones crack off, sometimes they're taken away and the bottom pieces are left in the ground. In a lot of places, people only used stone, actual rock, to mark places. Don't be moving those because they're probably headstones marking a burial place. So, you know, even though the, the top sections are gone, they still mark the place where someone is buried. So be very careful when you're using, um, you know, equipment like that, that you're kind of cognizant of what's underneath your, your feet. Um, a lot of times if you're going to be moving stuff around you'll end up finding things in the brush like that or in some cases um, I mean the grass in some of these older cemeteries is probably inches and inches deep underneath that you might might find some headstones that might even be toppled over so again take care around them clean around that area but leave those things where they are don't disturb those things where you find them um, you know, getting to cemetery headstone restoration is you're heading up, like that's the last step really of of the headstones. So when you're doing yeah, when you're doing that cleaning up, be very careful when you're using point because they can cause a lot of damage. From one, uh, oftentimes like they use ground, really disturbing um, ground in the cemetery. It's, it's really not recommended. Yeah. Remnants. Yeah, and I mean I I think in the case of our cemetery. There hasn't been a lot of rock found. Uh, last year, the kids found one. They found one old, what was left at the very base of what would have been a stone headstone. I, I'm thinking a lot of them were wooden markers, and there's also been cases um, that people actually used to carve out pieces of wood like headstones. I think that's what some of the really original ones were. But you can see the depressions in the ground where obviously there were burials, but there's no evidence. But in a lot of cemeteries, you will end up seeing that evidence of the stone. And not only headstones, they also used footstones. So they almost made the burial plot like a little bed that you had, you know, 
a headboard and a footboard almost. Um, and you'll see those there. And they're very important features uh, to maintain in the cemetery as well. So that's, like I said, don't be pulling out rocks because you think something is just an old rock. Have someone who who knows what is what the difference is between just and old. Just be careful. And if you have questions about uh, anything that you're doing in the cemetery, make sure to reach out to us at Heritage NL. And if we don't know the answer, we can put you on to someone who does know the answer. Robin Lacey is a PhD student in historical archaeology at Memorial University studying 17th century burial landscapes in North America. She's also co-director of Black Cat Cemetery Preservation, which specializes in historic gravestone and monument conservation and restoration in Canada. Husband and wife team Robin Lacey and Ian Petty have a combined 20 years experience in the heritage sector as archaeologists, gravestone conservators, and cultural heritage technicians. They have worked across Canada and the United States, as well as on the Isle of Man, recording gravestones and cemeteries, conducting archaeological surveys, mapping sites, and evaluating heritage structures and landscapes. Hi, Robin, and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So just to start, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the two upcoming workshops uh, that we're doing with you. Uh, I guess that we're doing with Black Cat Cemetery. So if you want to just touch on kind of what people might actually learn from those workshops and what kind of takeaways they might they might gain. Absolutely. So the first workshop that we're doing is on July 8th, um, and that's going to be sort of like a half day, like two to three hour workshop on sort of how to care for gravestones, how to care for historic gravestones, um, probably like ones in your family or if you're doing volunteering with a group um, that's working at a historic site. So we'll sort of be going over um, techniques of sort of like cleaning and um, making sure the stones are sort of uh, kept kept looking nice in a way that's not um, going to harm them because there's a lot of information online and a lot of outdated practices that people do um, ways of cleaning gravestones that we sort of want to get ahead of because we know now um, that they do do long-term damage uh, so part of the goal of that workshop is to educate the public um, and what I part of the goal of what we do online as well is try to educate the public in uh, safe conservation practices for cleaning headstones. Awesome. And I know you're relatively like the, I guess your business is relatively new here in the province. So um, since you've kind of been back and running the business, have you seen, um, I guess, have you unfortunately come across anything um, that people have been doing that you really, really don't recommend? I think Dale calls this uh, don't be at it, like any don't be at it. <laughs> Yeah, um, a really popular thing in Newfoundland is to paint headstones. Um, and like, I get it, it makes them look really nice. It brings out the lettering. Um, people like to do whitewashes of paint over marble headstones, uh, which makes them look really clean, but it sort of captures moisture behind it. It's creating a barrier over the surface of the stone. And stones that are used predominantly for historic gravestones are quite porous and they're quite soft. So it's like marble, limestone, and sandstone are the major ones. Um, and what happens when you paint them is they trap moisture inside the stone. It doesn't have a way to get out of the stone like it normally would. It would just sort of seep out and evaporate into the air. If it's trapped inside, that makes the stone uh, much more malleable and it can fall over way easier. So we really want to discourage people from putting any kind of paint or sealant on a historic gravestone. It, it will definitely shorten its lifespan. And I guess the other workshop that is also going to be taking place is kind of a bit further down the line, I guess, 
I know when I talked to Andrea, we kind of talked about, about how the, these are kind of like your last steps. You, you might want to do your cemetery clearing first, like very carefully and mm-hmm. watch out if you're using like any sort of machinery. Um, and then, you know, cleaning a headstone might be next, but then I guess the, the final step might be actually like repairing or doing some work on the headstones. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so that workshop is, as said, like a longer full day one. It is on August 11th, which is a Wednesday, um, also in Cape Royal. And sort of the first half is going to be similar. You have to clean a stone before you do any repairs. Um, You don't want to be trapping dirt or any like organic material in breaks. Um, But because these stones are so um, delicate compared to more modern monuments, which are typically made of granite, uh, sometimes they snap in half if they get, if they fall over too far and lean and the weight of it breaks or something bumps into it like a machine. Please don't use ride on lawnmowers in historic cemeteries, um, breaks a lot of gravestones. Um, so the other goal of that workshop is to show people that might be, again, like doing volunteer work. Um, if you're going to be attempting any sort of restoration of a historic stone, we want people to make sure that they're using the most up-to-date um, information of how to do that safely. So we're going to be resetting some gravestones that have broken um, in Cape Royal and showing uh, the attendees how to sort of create a level foundation without the use of concrete, um, reset the base so that it's level and won't be leaning um, and has areas for moisture to drain away from it as well. And then how to use uh, UV safe stone epoxies um, that uh, stone conservators use in order to reset those breaks so that the stone can last a little bit longer outside. I think that'll be great because I know, again, one thing that Andre and I talked about and one thing that I know I've seen in in cemeteries uh, is concrete, but also like bolts Mm -hmm. holding, uh, you know, holding stones together. So even going through the stones, which I mean, (laughs) (laughs) as Andre said yesterday when when I brought that up, like, you know, that really kind of destroys the integrity of the stone when you're making holes through it to you know keep it together it's it's um yeah a bit counterproductive which is why of course the education piece is is so important Mm -hmm. it absolutely is and that was a really popular way of fixing stones um even a couple decades ago people would use like iron bars um on either side of it and put pins all the way through but because they were not um like modern materials uh, you don't want to be taking material off the gravestone regardless, but these were iron, um, so they were rusting. And what that does is the rust expands in the stone itself and eventually just breaks away and the pins rust out and it just falls over again anyway, but with way more damage than it had in the first place. Yeah, and that was one thing that we talked about. If you don't really know how to put it back together, leave it on the ground. It's, it's, you know, best case scenario, you know, it'll just, you know, it won't deteriorate any faster on the ground than, you know, if exactly. you try to put it back incorrectly. And even like I, I like to do as little invasive mater- like procedures as possible. So sometimes stones are even too weathered to be put back together. Like there would be so little original material and so little like heritage integrity to restoring some stones that it's just better to like set them in like a level foundation of gravel um, and leave them on the ground anyway. And sometimes that's like the best course of action to do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I think that, uh, you know, if anybody wants to know any more kind of tips and tricks um, I know we did a, an entire podcast uh, with Black Cat Cemetery, so yourself and Ian. So if uh, they want to l- learn a little bit more, perhaps people can go in and take a listen to that. But thank you so much for being on the show. As mentioned, visit www.heritagenl.ca for more information about our training opportunities. Check them out under News and Events and learn more about our upcoming headstone cleaning workshops, wriggle fence building workshops, TLC for gravestones, and a dry stone wall building workshop. 
Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail, and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening. <laughs>